Welcome to the Angus Conversation. I'm your host, Miranda Ryman, with a special guest co-host today, my friend and colleague from Certified Angus Beef, Kara Lee. Hey, Kara. Hey, Miranda. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank you for, for coming on. I know that you have a very diverse job title that touches many things, but today we're going to focus really specifically on the CAB Ranch to Table program. So give me just a quick overview on what the Ranch to Table program is. Yeah, so we we actually launched um, the Certified Angus Beef Ranch to Table program um, unofficially last year at Angus Convention out in Salt Lake City. We, as I say, uh, pulled the proverbial sheet off of the statue. Um, and quite frankly, in retrospect, it feels like we had nothing more than... Um, a the logo, idea. <laughs> a logo, and a lot of a lot more questions than we had answers to. Um, but ultimately, we we've worked on developing an infrastructure that um, creates the opportunity for a direct partnership between Angus producers and the certified Angus beef brand. You know, one of the one of the most frustrating conversations I think our production team has had in recent years is that producer that has done a lot of work in uh, focusing on high quality genetics, high quality management. You know, maybe they're even selling a few loads of cattle to a licensed certified Angus beef processor every year and they're blowing the doors off from an acceptance rate policy perspective, you know, they, they're saying I've got 100% CAB acceptance, maybe I'm hitting 80% prime, I'm selling 40 head a year through, um, you know, a local general store that I own, but I don't have a way to put certified Angus beef on that product. And, you know, at, at the brand, we talk about the registered Angus breeder, the membership of the American Angus Association truly being the foundation of our brand, and, and they are, but without the ability um, to, to put the brand in their hands, um, you know, that, that that seems a little hypocritical. And, um, you know, in recent years, we have seen just a tremendous amount of uptake in the number of our breeders who are much more hands-on with direct-to-consumer beef merchandising. And this, this is not a program that's designed in any way, shape, or form to replace or displace any of our traditional product. We know that traditional supply chain is always going to continue to be the heart and soul of who the brand is. But um, as we start to see more, you know, family farms and ranches who are diversifying their revenue streams, maybe, you know, mom, dad, aunt, uncle aren't quite ready to retire yet, but son, daughter, whomever wants to come back to the family business and they're not in a position to add cow numbers. Um, maybe they're not in a position to, to bring on another family financially. Um, they've looked to that direct to consumer meat sales business as an opportunity to diversify that revenue. Um, and we felt like it was time to be able to create an infrastructure for those breeders who are willing to jump through the hoops to have ownership of the certified Angus beef brand within their beef merchandising businesses. I know that I always got that as a frequently asked question quite often is can we use that logo when we're marketing our freezer beef and it always felt to me really a little bit heartbreaking to have to tell someone like this is your brand that you own but you can't actually use your your brand so right. it's pretty exciting but why didn't we I mean we've had these conversations for for decades how come how come now we're able to do it that's a great question you know, i would say for one is what we mentioned a minute ago the fact that we're seeing a lot more hands-on beef merchandising within our producer segment um the other side of that is that we continue to we continue to hear more demand from our licensees about um, you know that they want to be able to continue to develop a robust story behind the brand um and while not all producers who are doing direct to consumer beef merchandising have a supply chain that you know might accommodate a certified angus beef licensee um, some of them do and quite honestly if we as a brand can't step in and become involved in helping to create some of those relationships and opportunities um, you know we're, we're probably not taking advantage of all the opportunities we've had um, i would say that the third pillar that probably um, answers the question why now is um, the, the advent and evolution of access to federal grading. Um, certified Angus Beef is a USDA certified program. Um, today, all cattle that ultimately enter the brand are evaluated by a USDA grader um, or you know equivalent technology. We use a lot of cameras at large plants. Um, and in recent years, we've seen USDA become um, a lot more open-minded to being able to find solutions to some of those grading deserts, if you will, in certain parts of the country. Um, 
Um, you know, it's a combination of getting, excuse me, getting a little bit more creative maybe and cross-training some USDA inspectors to also be able to serve as graders. It's looking at uh, pilot projects that utilize remote grading possibilities. Um, it's just a I, in the last couple of years, we've really seen a shift in their mindset of saying, we, we need to help find some solutions to some of these smaller processors. And that was really, that was probably the linchpin in the why now is that we realized there was a possibility to actually make this happen for some of our producers who wanted to jump through those hoops. For sure. A lot of the, the right things at the right time coming together. Absolutely. Yep. Give me a little bit of an idea of scope. I mean, this isn't going to be 10% of the product oh, that no. <laughs> the CAB reports in a fiscal no. year. No, no, not by a long stretch. Um, so we actually, we were still in pilot phase this time last year, as I mentioned, uh, November of 22. We officially opened applications for Ranch to Table around July 1st of 2023. Um, up until that point, we had roughly three different partners that we were working with, actually two of our guests today, um, who we were considering in pilot mode. Some of those folks that we'd identified as having very diverse business models. We wanted to kind of pick out a couple of those pilot partners that would help us dip our toe in the water of a variety of business models as we look at you know reporting invoicing helping support their sales and marketing initiatives we needed some diversity there um, so really we're we're just not quite even six months into what i would consider true ranch to table supply um, up to this point i believe we have 11 total partners um, licensed that um, you know their their businesses range significantly um, from, you know, a dozen head a year up to several hundred head a year all you know, and it's it's not a volume based program. It's based on having a marketing and sales plan that's appropriate according to your particular um, supply model. So, you know, back to your question, we're, we're probably a year out from being able to really set some true goals in terms of head counts that we really want to see this program reach um you know i would I, I would probably focus a little bit more on the acceptance rate goals within this population because you know this is this is the cream of the crop in terms of the kind of cattle that we're running through the system um we're already seeing you know in excess of 70 percent acceptance rate on the ranch to table cattle that are coming through um but we we do not see this initiative in any way shape or form as being a supply grab this is 110 percent a producer engagement initiative. This is something we want to be able to bring as a service to the members of the American Angus Association um, and truly be able to embrace them as the owners of our brand in a way we've never been able to do before. Absolutely. Wanted to be able to say yes when they asked if, if they could use that brand. Yep. Let's listen in as we hear a couple of producers who have been engaged in the program tell us how it's going. Welcome to the podcast today. We've got some special guests sitting across the table from us. It's nice to be in person. So Lindsay Hall, some of you may know her as Lindsay Grimes, grew up in the Angus business there at Maplecrest Farms and is now running their Maplecrest Meats program. Lindsay, why don't you just give us a little bit of background around about yourself and then we'll introduce our ne next guest. Yeah, um, like Miranda said, I'm Lindsay Hall from Hillsboro, Ohio. My family owns and operates Maplecrest Farms. Um, up until, honestly, in 2020, we were primarily just a seed stock operation uh, where we ran a bunch of mama cows, had production sales in the fall and the spring, sold bulls and seed stock all over the country. Um, and that's what I grew up doing, grew up showing with my sister in the American Angus Association, uh, was on the junior board, loved all that time, um, and have always been involved in the Angus industry uh, but in 2020 when COVID hit and you know the meat crisis of you know everybody the supermarket shelves being empty we're like well this is working for all these other beef producers why don't we do more selling direct because we've got this surplus and I was kind of I was a little slow to come around to it my mom was very much let's give it a go what I mean what do we got to lose I mean might as well try something because you know my husband and I came back to the farm. My sister and her husband were thinking about coming back. And we were looking for ways to, one, not only add more value to every pound of beef produced at the farm, because in all reality, all breeders understand it. Not everything's going to make 
the production sale or be elite seed stock. And so you've got to capture more value of those middle of the road animals. And so this was going to be a good way for that and to, you know, expand the family business to where there could be more room to feed three families. Um, And so we kind of started out originally just kind of going to go the whole kind of mail order meat box type route. Uh, but it was just kind of happenstance, and it's always kind of funny how things work out. And I'm a big believer in fate after all of this. And just a random conversation with um, a prominent businessman in our community. Um, my sister and I grew up with their kids. We were all around the same age. They own multiple businesses in town. And he just randomly mentioned he wanted to open a butcher shop. And, you know, mom and I's like five to ten year goal was to open a storefront. But we knew that was something we had to grow into. And we're like, well, how about we do a partnership? You've got the retail experience, the um, actual storefront facility. We've got the cattle knowledge side of things. And so let's just give it a shot. And that's kind of how Maplecrest Meats and Meats and More was born. Excellent. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast today to share some more of your experience. And then we have sitting across from you over here, Ashley Bruner. Um, Ashley, you're up there in north central North Dakota. I forget yep. the exact town name. Drake. Drake, North Dakota. Very good. And you are part of Bruner Angus Ranch, who also has a partnership with Wendell Livestock um, and the Dakota Angus brand. So why don't you just give us your kind of elevator speech? Sure. Um, my husband and I uh, farm and ranch with his family. Um, I think he would be fourth or fifth generation on the farm third generation with Angus cattle. Um, Much like Lindsay, you know, registered seed stock, production sales, two of them a year. And gosh, it's probably been three or four years now um, that the Wendell family came to us and said, you know, we, we know that we have quality genetics in our herds and we'd really like to capitalize on the quality that we know we have. Um, and see if we can do this in a, in a retail beef setting. Um, the Wendell family has been finishing their cattle for nearly 30 years, and they have the data that, that backs it up. And so um, we hadn't been finishing. We'd been doing some backgrounding, and um, we just really aligned our, our uh, philosophies in our genetics and in our herds very much aligned and our, I guess one word I'll use is stubbornness and, and, and grit and, and get down to business attitudes are, are very much the same. And so um, their strengths balanced our weaknesses and vice versa. And so uh, we came together and, and decided we wanted to try our hand at this beef world, which we learned very quickly. It's very different than the cattle world. Totally. Yeah. And so um, I guess the biggest thing is we've learned a lot in, in what we've been doing. Um, but, but like Lindsay said, too, we all have, or, or both of our families have big families. And um, my husband and I have four small children, um, nine, seven, and we have four-year-old twins. And we know that it's hard to provide for bigger families in today's world when it comes to anything agriculture, right? And so looking down the future, how can we keep our kids, you know, to, to want to come back? And, and what opportunities can we give them and how can we get them even more involved with what we're, we're doing today? And, and we've really seen that, and it, it's been really, really fun to see how things have evolved with that. Um, but it's been really great to, to visit with the customers. I mean, that's another highlight of what we're doing is really the consumer education and, and teaching people, you know, why does quality beef matter? And why is what we're doing different? And, and how does the differences that what we're doing provide at the end of, you know, on your plate and, and, and just the whole education from, from what we do on a daily basis in the, in the feed yard or calving to how that results at the grocery store or at the restaurant. It's just, it's been a really fun process. Yeah, that's hands down the most rewarding part is getting to interact with those customers, not only telling them about the value and explaining how it got from pasture to plate and when they look at you like no way like that that much goes into it and you're like yeah and then you make some recommendations they take it home and then when you see them come back and they're like oh my gosh you weren't wrong that was the best piece of meat I've ever had I can't wait I'm telling everyone else about it like that's the best part and then just of course sharing your story and making it family oriented like I just love that my kids get to grow up the same way I did but have even more experiences to 
grow. What have you been able to come back to the farm without that added? I mean, has that been a revenue stream that allowed you to come back or? I mean, it definitely would have been a lot harder. I mean, you know, I'm involved. I mean, we've got multiple family businesses outside of the meat side of things, but it would have been a lot harder. And, you know, the one thing that I'm so appreciative of is that, you know, my parents told me, you know, get away, go do it, your own thing for a while. If you want to come back, great, but you never feel like obligated to come back. But, you know, they worked so hard for so long to make that even an option for us. And so like, I want to do that for my kids and more. And I really do feel like with, you know, the way the industry is going and just consumer trends and what they want, like this is the perfect opportunity for us to be able to just build a foundation for our families and our kids that I feel bad other people don't have that opportunity. And so, you know, I feel like it'd be doing a disservice to our industry not to take advantage of that. There's often times that I feel like I'm working too much, but then it doesn't feel like work. But my work is at home and I can say, hey, kids, let's go out to the meat garage. And, and they love it. And, yes. they, and they, they don't think it's work. They think it's fun. And yeah, when well, we're in the shop and doing things and they're running around having fun and well, and also I think that's probably like with you, I think that's what makes our businesses unique, makes us more human and that people come in and it's a family. Like it's, it's not corporate farming. It's, this is our day in, day out, our livelihood lives all day, every day. So yeah, just last week we were out in the garage putting boxes together for some of our holiday bundles. And my little man is obsessed with football, but he was putting boxes together and then, Hey mom, throw one for me, you know? So, <laughs> so we're making it all work, but, but people love seeing that. I mean, I can't, I literally can't go in town without somebody stopping me saying, you know, I saw you and the kids doing this and it's so great seeing the kids doing that. And, and it really is, you know, sometimes we're caught up in the grind because we're busy. I mean, this isn't easy. Like, what's the saying? If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? And, and that's the truth. Like, man, we are wore out some days. But the kids see that and that's teaching them a lot. Um, they're learning a lot. My nine-year-old can go to a restaurant and look at the menu and know exactly what every cut is. And she's like, Mom, can I have the filet? Hold on, honey. You know, like, you're nine. I didn't get a filet until I yeah. was like 32. You know, you can be happy with that sirloin, babe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I just appreciate that we can teach them so much of that. And, and the other side of it is, like, I'm looking forward to hiring her as my marketing manager someday because she's... She knows what's going on in the business. She hears me talk about things. She comes to farmer's markets with me, and she runs the device. She can do the orders. She can go to the freezer, and she can pick orders and package them for me. I can't me. wait for my kids to get to that point. <laughs> it's great. They're it's not quite old enough great. for that. <laughs> yeah. the, the twins walk in, and they're four, and they pretend that they're shopping. And, excuse me, ma'am, can I shop? But, I mean, it's like role play all the time, but it's just so fun to watch them absorb it all mm -hmm. and learn, and then you can they see. They don't realize what they're learning. They don't. They really don't. I was like, oh, is this how my parents felt? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably. probably, probably. You know, it's funny, though. I think I feel like both of your businesses have matured to the point, especially in the last year or two, that you feel like you can enjoy some of those rewarding experiences. But I'd be curious, you know, you, you look at the things your kids are learning today. You've both been through a significant learning curve yourselves. And I think, you know, there are a lot of producers who it, it it sounds really good to get in the direct-to-consumer beef sales. Until you have to do you know, it. Until you're in <laughs> it's it. It's not for the faint and, of heart. And not no. for the faint of heart. I'd, I'd love to hear the two of you talk a little bit about some of those struggles, you know, on the the initial side of things. Um, some of the things that maybe you weren't expecting to be a challenge that all of a sudden when you're in the thick of it, it's like, oh, man, this is maybe more than I initially thought. Oh, definitely. We've had big hurdles and they're hurdles that some people would have just stopped for sure but that goes back to our stubbornness you know we're we're committed to making this work and both 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 families are i mean we're we're pretty solid when it comes to that and you know in the beginning it's things like like dressing percentages i mean if if we're not hitting dressing percentages and finished product percentages man that kills your Instantly. your margins you're behind the eight ball from the get go absolutely and so i mean we've been tracking tracking them pretty tight um, but working with a small shop, they're not used to tracking stuff like that. You know, when the first time I asked them to make sure that they weighed the finished weight on everything because we wanted to make sure that we were accounting for the data on it all, they were like, why do you need that? And, you know, you try to explain, okay, this is what the Dakota Angus business model is structured on, and we need to make sure that we're hitting these targets. And they're just like, 
well, why do you need that? Like they just don't understand, you know? And, and so there's a lear learning curve there. Like t try not telling them how to do their job because I'm not telling them how to do their job. You know, I, yeah. I need them and they do we, yeah, a we great need them. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just trying to explain to them, like, this is, this is how we're operating our business. And I understand it's different than, you know, most of your producers that come in and say, so-and-so bought this half of beef and so-and-so bought that half of beef and cut it up this way and out the door it goes. It's, it's different. Um, and then it's, you know, recently our, our uh, meat shop closed. So we had to find a new one. You know, that was, it was, it's been an interesting process going through all of that. And then it's the grading. I mean, in order for all of this to work for us, we have to have it graded. And we knew that from the get-go. And so it was trying to find somebody to come grade our beef in the middle of North Dakota was a challenge. You know, we had the grader coming from Omaha. And, and it's paying. a long ways from Omaha to it's the middle a, of North Dakota. It's a little ways <laughs> away, yeah. And and so just the financial commitment to that. I mean, that was very much eating up our our margins. And then some. And then some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the first. So in the last year, I think we processed eighty three or eighty four head, and we were averaging one hundred and thirty dollars a head just for the grading. Yikes! Like that. That's our. I feel you, sister. It hurts. <laughs> it does. It does. But but we're we're committed to to the process, and we're we've been very committed to capitalizing on our quality and, and proving that we can do this, and and we are doing it. Um, so that's been hard, but but we just keep going. You jump that hurdle, and you just look on to the next thing, and and try to find, you know, somebody else who's willing to listen to the situation, and and maybe provide. A different solution, and I mean the communications we've had with with people across the country about like how to make this work. Um, it, it's it's been a process for sure. Yeah, and I feel bad complaining about how far we have to travel. Like because I know <laughs> you know it in spades, but so like in the very beginning, you know my biggest thing was I never wanted to run out. I always wanted to make sure I had plenty of product on hand at all times. And so at one point we were working with three different processors. And so, like you, we were tracking dressing percentages, cutouts, and then when we realized the differences between the three, it's like, yeah, we had it, we had to have some hard conversations. Like, if we want to continue to do business with you, but we need more, and you know, because and we explained it to them that way, and they're like, oh, well, we never thought about that because they were different. They were used to doing with a different demographic, and. You know, and we were having to travel as far as two and a half hours to one processor just to drop off cattle. And then, you know, we finally found one processor that was phenomenal. And at first, like, it's a wonder they didn't just shut the door in my face because I know I was annoying. I hounded them. I begged. I pleaded. I pretty much did everything short of offering my firstborn child to them <laughs> to try to get harvest spots. And then when they realized I was serious and I wasn't just this crazy person trying to take advantage of a fad... You know, then they started working with us and it's been a wonderful relationship and we've been able to kind of centralize more of our production with one processor because when you have all the differences in packaging and how they cut and you want to be able to provide people with a consistent product, you want them to be able to get the same thing every time. And so that was hard and all of them are very small processors. They, you know, really don't harvest that many a week. And so... Finding places where we could get the grading was a huge issue. And for us, like we knew the product that we had, we knew the quality and where we were a little different. We had the storefront, we had our fresh case, we had fresh CAB in there. But then, you know, people would ask, you know, well, what's the difference? And we knew that what we had in our case was just as good, if not better. And but then finally being able to given finally the opportunity to capture more value was a game changer and made the extra miles traveled and the extra hard things more worthwhile because we can now be rewarded for that now. Lindsay, I would love for you to talk a little bit more too about that uh, fresh CAB that was in your case. You guys were a licensee with Certified mm -hmm. Angus Beef before Ranch to Table came about. Um, you know, what was that decision like in bringing that product in? And then, um, I guess, what are the, some of the synergies even for your current relationship on the ranch to table side and your customers still never running out to your point, but still having. Um, and that was originally why we kind of started the fresh product to kind of until we really got a good gauge on demand, how many head we needed to harvest per month. That would kind of like be that bridge, that gap. OK, we don't have your frozen ribeyes, but I got some fresh ones for you. And we also realized, too, 
I feel like we've done a great job over the last couple of years of changing that stigma. Like I grew up on frozen beef. Like I didn't know any different. Like I prefer it because my problem is I go to the store, buy some fresh stuff and you know how crazy life is. And then I don't get to it in time. <laughs> but now we through the education part. People aren't as scared as the frozen product. And, but we knew we needed to have that fresh component for that mom that comes in and wants to make dinner that night. But now that we can do the ranch to table, we don't have to buy, I mean, every now and then we'll have to supplement a little bit just to meet demand, but now we can have our stuff in the fresh case. And that is just so awesome. Just that, how it's changed. And now it really brings it all full circle and makes our story and, just even that much more impactful is that we have it both in the fresh and the frozen case and that it was raised 10 miles down the road from our shop and so that's been fun and I think the customers have also appreciated it and it's built some extra excitement behind it so so tell me a little bit about when you first got started how you managed the I guess I'd say the logistics from even just the the cowherd side and making sure that you had animals ready at different you know most of us have our calf crop finished all at the same time and that's not how your your wave of demand comes and things like that how did you line those things up there's a lot of flying by the seat of our pants for a little while (laughs) (laughs) holding some cattle a little longer than you wanted to (laughs) yeah we tried to at least for us go back to our bull buyers and because we can't meet that demand with just our stuff but we still wanted it to be our genetics so we had some confidence and when we did take them to harvest and just kind of building some more value for our customers to make it all more full circle uh, for them and that's where we've kind of gone to to help meet that demand as far as number of head. Yeah when we first got started we didn't have any ready uh, and there was no Bruner or Wendell livestock cattle that were ready at the time. Um, but fortunately, Wendell Livestock has um, their own feedlot. They've been buy- buying customers' calves and, and finishing them. And so they did have some a customer that had some ready to go. And so we were able to tap into customers' calves right away. Um, and, and, I mean, that's part of our long term that we want to offer to our, our seed stock buyers as well is, is, you know, bringing our continued genetics into our beef program um, but, but yeah, so we, we started there and um, again, fortunate that, that Wendell's have a, a feedlot and so we take all of our calves down there now as well. Um, but, but yeah, we don't always have them ready to go. When I, when I call Mike and say, hey, can you take 10 in next week? You know, so the, the logistic challenge is, is always there and I think will be, will be continued. I mean, we've only been at this for like 18 months or so and and what we've learned there but I not too long ago we were putting together kind of our year-end financials and and I was Shane in our group is the numbers guy and so I knew I had to have a lot of numbers to present to him and so um I was I actually surprised myself with having the full year under our feet how much more knowledgeable I am and how much more accurately I can project things based on the numbers that I have now. How many pounds we sold and how many animals that means. And then you, you know, get a better grasp of how much per head you can kind of expect yes. when you track it. Last year I'm like uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. You can actually do projections. Hey, like yeah. That stuff would give me an ulcer because it stresses me out. I really wasn't a numbers person and this has forced us. Thank yep. God my mom was. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, like that that's probably the hardest part yeah. for being honest. And really, logistically, some of the things we just had to try. You know, you just got to kind of wing it. For You don't know what you don't know, and you got to... Yep. and just figure it out. And I think that's the one thing I've said the most over the last 18 months is, I don't know, but we'll figure it yep. out. Figure it out. It'll be fine. Yep. Just figure it out. Have you guys adjusted anything now that you've got years worth of data under your belt, adjusted anything in your breeding programs and cowherd management because of the meat business? So great question. I think that's where um, we on the Bruner Angus side have learned the most. Like I said, Wendell's have been finishing for you know up to 30 years, and they've got data behind that. We had never finished before, uh, backgrounded, but then sold off the farm. And um, we've used the targeting the brand in our catalog the last several years. But what my husband and I noticed as we were placing the targeting the brand on the bulls in our catalog is we weren't placing that sticker as many times as we maybe thought we should have been and and now that we are finishing and now that we're paying more attention to that end product because to be honest on the Bruner Angus side we maybe weren't paying as much attention to the end product 
in the past, but that really has has changed, you know, how we look at like the marbling and the ribeye EPDs when we're doing, you know, bull selection on our end. So, so absolutely, it's it's made us think differently about some things. Yeah, very similar to you. Like we were on the seed stock side of things, you know, theoretically based on how they read on paper, they should grade perfectly fine. But, you know, this program has also been. I don't want to sound bad, but it has been validation that, okay, we're not doing this. We're not making these breeding decisions or the selection criteria that we have for nothing. Like they're, yeah, now that we can actually get these cattle graded, it has been validation and that, you know, I always trusted the data. I always trusted the science behind it, but now it's like, oh, like this stuff is for real. Like this isn't just all, you know, smoke and mirrors. Like it's real. And um, it's also, we have, it has made us better managers. Like, you know, there was a learning curve as far as, you know, feeding those. Cause at first we were feeding them ourselves and we weren't in the feeding business. Um, so we probably didn't have some efficiency. We weren't as efficient as we could have been cause we were just feeding our fat. So we fed our cows and they need to be on very different rations. But now I've been able to find someone to custom feed for me. He's got that experience. That's his forte. They're getting taken care of better. They're more efficient. We can finish them sooner. But also, you know, it's it's just been so good to be like, okay, this it's makes you recentered. It makes you like keeps you from getting too off track. And okay, we need to stay focused, and it is worth it if you can stay focused and disciplined in your breeding program and your management. And this has just been a great tool to remind us like we're doing this for a reason it's not just you know to have all these numbers on paper and selling you know donors and bulls like it is because of the product that we produce at the end of the day for the customer you know that's that's come through loud and clear even as we look at the entire ranch to table population here in this first year of production and you guys were two of our our first um pilot partners we look at the industry as a whole and it's roughly you know 35 to 36 percent of your candidates actually qualify for certified angus beef within ranch to table just this first six to eight month period um it was an excess of 70 percent acceptance rate and we we absolutely knew that our members who were going to be involved in this were going to have a rich set of cattle um but that just completely validates what we expected and you know we've we've heard for years people who maybe retained ownership on calves for the first time they say you never really know what your cattle are until you own them and feed them for the first time what you guys are doing is like that you know to the nth degree I don't know how you feel but then like when we get that data back like it's like Christmas for me like when I see that email I'm like I can't wait to read it and then when I do if we have one that doesn't like it makes me mad but it makes me that much more motivated and driven to stay on track, stay focused, and keep grinding. Because I was like, I'm going to be better. I need to be better. Makes you surprised in a good way or a bad way, and you'd yeah. rather be surprised in a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I said, we hadn't finished before, you know, the last year. Uh, well, two years ago, so our last last year's crop that uh, went to Wendell's, they finished them for us, and we did take a load to Tyson. And that first load that went, we were anxiously awaiting, like, because we had never done You're that scared. before. We, we were. <laughs> we were. And we got the email, and we pulled it up, and I looked at it, and it, you know, pleasantly surprised. We hit that 70% mark, and it's like, we're there. You know, this is great. Okay, we can keep on plugging away. Here we go. You know, I mean, there's always room for improvement. There's always changes that you can make. We're probably not going to hit that every time, but, but I mean... It was exciting. Like you said, opening that, that I Christmas know present. The grader always probably gets irritated with me because I'm always like, well, why? This one was choice, but why wasn't it CAB? And so, like, I was like, well, I just want to know how to be better. Like, I'm, do I, is there something that I can do to be better? Because I'm competitive. I can't help <laughs> it. I don't like to lose. And so that's, it, it's made us better, too. So you guys were both already doing separate, your direct-to-consumer program before Ranch to Table came out. Is that right or wrong? We were very freshly branding Dakota Angus when we entered the conversations about Ranch to Table. Okay, and you were already? Yeah, we had been doing it, but also Dad was on the board, and I think he was part of the, he was on the CAB board, he was president of the CAB board, and so he was kind of involved in those very, in the program, I think of in its infancy when it was starting to be talked about as maybe that's something that they want to provide their customers. So we knew that there was a chance, I guess, it could come down the pike. But yes, we did all this before the program was established. 
Um, so that's why we were so excited when, when it, it came did come to fruition. Out. I guess my question would be: I mean, there's extra hoops involved with being involved in Ranch to Table versus just doing it on your own. Why did you decide to to jump through those hoops, or why did you want that CAB Ranch to Table logo? Well, for us, you know, like I said, we were pretty freshly getting going with Dakota Angus, and we kind of sat around the room and said, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if someday we could put CAB on our package? And and for us, it was just like on a whim, a thought, like, that'd be really cool, but what are the chances, you know? And so, wouldn't you know, a few months later, the conversation started, and we were honestly blown away that... At the same time that we were thinking, you know, wouldn't that be cool someday, Certified Angus Beef was thinking kind of the same thing on the other side. Like, wouldn't that be cool someday if, if our producers can carry our, our label? Like, And so, um, again, I think it just goes back to quality. You know, we are Certified Angus Beef as producers. And, and I think that there is a greater amount of pride that we carry when it, we can say it's, it's our beef and it's Certified Angus and we are CAB and CAB is us. Exactly. And, and really, it's totally, when you say hoops, like I don't even look at it as that much extra work. Because one, they're records that we need to keep and keep track of anyway, if we're going to be good and keep ourselves accountable. But it was also, it's also just a way to like put our money where our mouth is and, you know, practice what we preach and, you know, show folks that, you know, there is value in the brand. And without the brand, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So... So I said hoops, but Kara, I didn't even really get to the basics of what what are those hoops or what does it take to be involved in the CAB Ranch to Table program? Yeah, I would say one of the the biggest hoop that, you know, Ashley and Lindsay have both already alluded to is the grading front of things. Because we've we've said from day one, um, we can't sacrifice anything on quality. And while we know that our, our registered Angus breeders, they're high quality customers using those registered Angus bulls, they've got a great start. Um, we've got 10 specifications and, and every one of them serves an important purpose. Yeah, they all serve a purpose. And especially in a scenario where someone is selling certified Angus beef ranch to table right alongside a traditional certified Angus beef product. And it's paramount as a brand that the level of quality and consistency is exactly the same across both of those products. And quite frankly, I think that that's what allows it to meet the expectation of our breeders too, is that their product is held to the same standard as traditional certified Angus beef in any other portion of the marketplace. And so um, you know, going through the, the process of locating Finding, accessing, grading is absolutely one of those hoops. Um, at Certified Angus Beef, we do track every pound of our product from packer all the way to end user. And so we we do require our ranch to table partners um, to submit monthly reporting to us. If your business is strictly direct to consumer, that, uh, that reporting process is a little bit simpler. We just require um, head counts, hot carcass weights. Um, we want to see your entire harvest list, even the ones that didn't qualify for certified Angus beef. That way we can continue to track that acceptance rate. Um, but if you're doing more retail and restaurant business, Business, um, that requires a little bit more intricate type of reporting. So for example, if I walk into a steakhouse and see certified Angus beef noted next to the strip steak and the ribeye on the menu, as a staff member, I can look up in our system and see, is that restaurant purchasing certified Angus beef strips and ribs? Um, who are they buying them from? When was their last purchase? If they aren't showing purchases and they're showing sales, that that sends up a major red flag in our system. And the last thing we want to do is put our ranch to table partners in a bad spot where they're cultivating relationships with local restaurants and that restaurant sales are sending up red flags on our system that, uh, that send our brand assurance team after them saying, we don't have any record of your purchases. And so that there are some intricacies from a reporting side of things. Um, you know, the, the other... Like, I guess we'll call it a hoop because it's on the list, um, but we we are a commission-based brand. Um, So traditionally, we get paid a cents per pound commission by packers. That's how Certified Angus Beef is funded. Um, Since in this case, we're licensing the producer and not the packer, the producer does pay a $10 per head commission. Um, And then they have the opportunity to maximize that carcass utilization across all of their cuts um, to price their premiums accordingly for all of that certified Angus beef product. You know, I have heard 
just a little bit in social media chatter, as, as sometimes happens when the, the news came out that we had a CAB Ranch to Table program, there was a little bit of, oh, they're finding one more way to get money from producers. You guys don't, what's your reaction to that? They just don't know and understand. Yeah, like, I don't roll my eyes or scoff at it. Just use it as an opportunity to be like, no, they are adding value and actually putting more money in our pockets at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that if those people who would say that would become a little bit more engaged in what Certified Angus Beef actually does for us as producers, they would they would think a little differently as well. Yeah, it's no different than you buying your Angus membership. I mean, it's no different in that there's value in the association and that the service that they provide, it's no different. When you think about $10 per head, the ability to, you know, we talk about that carcass utilization piece, to have that kind of branding and consumer recognition, you can spread far more than $10 across the carcass and something like that. And ultimately, when we look at overall carcass utilization, you know, 10 bucks a head, that's... It's a drop in the bucket when you take into account the freight, packaging, boxes, like, that's nothing. So talk about the process of getting started. What did you do first? How was that, how'd that process work for you? It's all kind of a blur right now. I, I really, I feel like I'm still underwater. I do. It, it she is. She says we're just still I starting. I still, yeah. what? It feels like yesterday. I mean, it, it really does. Like I, everything, it moved so fast. It, it really has. And, and that's been, again, we're only like 18 months fresh into Dakota Angus. And so like ev- the last year has went so fast and, and we're still kind of in the, we don't think this is real. Face. you know like it's a we, fairy tale it is yeah. it is and I mean honestly we came here to convention and we're walking over there by the booth and Travis says there's your truck and I'm like your what do you mean there's there. my truck and yeah. I turn around and there's a picture of my little meat truck that I run around with you know and it like I'm that giddy little kid who's looking I know we're gonna talk about that okay. later <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't even remember your question but it's still a blur it really it really is you know we we're at the point now I think we have interviewed gosh close to two dozen different ranch to table applicants just in the last, I'll say 10 weeks. And if our team has learned anything about our membership who are involved in direct to consumer sales, it's that every single business is exactly the same and every single one is absolutely and 110% completely unique. And so when you think about that whole getting started process, it it feels like everyone is at a different level and some of those stages of getting started, it feels like it's either, you know, I've got a great relationship with my processor, but I need a greater, or maybe I have an okay relationship with my processor, but I have higher expectations, and so I need to find something there. Or in some cases, it's I'm already selling beef into this local restaurant, and I need to figure out how we can maximize, um, you know, the rest of that carcass. You know, they they would love to purchase all of my certified Angus beef steaks and grinds, or maybe they they just want the grinds, but I need to do something different. So, you know, everyone's starting point feels like it's very, very different. Um, And that's been one of the great things about our team learning alongside our members is that hopefully we can meet them where they are um, and kind of help figure out where they're at in the process and offer better insight along the way based on what their immediate needs are. So if someone wants to start today, Kara, what's the, give me the like steps one, two, three, four. (laughs) Sure. So I would say the best place to start is at cabcattle.com. We have our ranch to table page there that kind of has your frequently asked questions. If you're really in the the research phase of trying to understand if the program is right for you, um, the application is also right there on the website as well. Um, I always encourage people, you know, even if you think you're, you know, a couple months or more away uh, from being ready, take a look at that application because it it gives you insight about all the things that we want to know, whether it's, you know, the volume that you're producing, um, what inspection and grading looks like for you, um, what's your what's your merchandising look like. We have different types of licenses available to Ranch to Table partners depending on what your business model looks like. So read through the application, take a look at, uh, at what we're doing there, and, and just go ahead and submit it. And honestly, the application is just, that's the starting point. Um, depending on what our volume looks like at any given time, um, we usually try and do a video 
video interview within the month for any of our Ranch to Table applicants. Um, and that's just a really open, candid conversation, um, usually with Abby Greer and myself, um, kind of just getting our arms around your business, you know, answering questions, asking questions, and then we always try and hop off that call with um, you know, what are our next steps? Um, do we have some things that we want you to follow up on that, that we need? Um, are there things that, that we need to work on from our side, whether it's you know, connecting you with some folks at USDA to try and find some grading options in your area? Um, that's, that's the first place to start. Okay. As you guys went along, did you have any, any questions about the process or you found it to be pretty simple to work through? I found it so easy. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it just had to do with my familiarity of CAB through growing up in the Angus Association and being involved in the level that my family has throughout the years. But just the CAB team is a well-oiled machine and every single person is so passionate and every single person wants to help us get as much out of it as we need and you talked about abby and she's been so wonderful in terms of like the marketing standpoint and like we said we don't know what we don't know and you know offering suggestions and it's like i never thought of that that's wonderful they've made this whole process and even though it's unknown and we're all growing together all of us have the same goal and all of us are passionate and so it's just been so easy and fun and really not hard because everybody's so different in CAV. They don't blink. What works for you doesn't work for me. And just their willingness to cater to each individual operation and just their commitment to making it work yeah, and making it easy. I completely echo all of that a hundred percent. I mean, everybody has been super to work with and, you know, sometimes I, it was such an easy process and sometimes I felt like I was supposed to be doing more. And so I'd be like, Hey, Kara, like, do you need something from me or am I, are you waiting for me on it? Like, I feel like I need to be doing more with it. We do love to work with people who ask that question, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. It was a very smooth process. Um, it's been a very enjoyable process. I mean, we've continued to learn along the way. I think one of the hardest parts was knowing who to go to with what questions we had. Right. But we're still figuring that out from right. day to day too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But nobody's ever been afraid to say, I'll find out. And, you know, we appreciate that more than anything because again, we don't know. Um, there's a million and one things we don't know and we'll ask who we think we can and then they'll find out the answer and if they don't have the answer it's back to we'll figure it out and I, I have to tell you both part of why it probably felt so easy for you guys is because before you even came to us both your operations had done a tremendous amount of legwork and you know getting some legs underneath your business thinking through a lot of those things and you know as we think through you know coming alongside new brand partners you know it's important to think about we we want to empower our breeders to access the brand. We want to create an infrastructure that puts the brand in your hands in a scenario where it works. Um, we also need that legwork that you're doing to, to bring to us because at the end of the day, what Ranch to Table is, is you know, you're, we're, we're taking the cowboy hat off for a minute and essentially stepping into the meat sales role, um, which means that you got to step into the meat sales role. Um, we're still not buying cattle. And while we know that certified Angus beef as a brand creates more consumer recognition for you, um, our team can only do so much for you to help you move that product and build those relationships. Our, our goal is that our brand empowers you to do as much of that. And so that's, you know, that's truly complimentary to you guys and what your operations have done. Um, and I, I don't want you to gloss over that in terms of, you know, how that works for other folks as well. And so I suppose if it's hard for somebody else, don't feel bad that it's hard. It's just, these guys are rock stars. <laughs> That's right. Or, and it's easy to, it's easy for him to say it's easy today. I know it's not always been easy. No, I remember um, last spring I was invited to a CAB meeting in Fargo. It was, um, I think, some... Uh, value-added producers meeting that they had there and it was a room full of retailers and distributors and it was really great to be in that room but I learned really fast what I did not know about that side of the beef world when they started talking about cutouts and product codes and and so much I had no idea they were asking me you know what do you do with this blah, blah, blah. I still can't talk that language, you know? Um, there's, there's, it's just a whole new world. And I just kind of sat there and took a step back and on the drive home thought, 
there's a lot that I have to learn yet. There's a lot that I don't know. So when you get access to the CAB team and the CAB brand, what is it that they're really doing for you or that that brand, I mean, you've got the CAB ranch to table logo, but it does no good if you're not using it. So talk through that process a little. Well, all the re extra resources, like, you know, as far as like the product pictures until we could get some of our own stock photos, the recipes that we can share with our customers. Like I know when we send out our, um, weekly email blast to all of our customers. We always incorporate some sort of CAB recipe. And um, without those resources, like I, it's, it's made us look good because they've done the hard work and they've got all these tools available to us to help us learn. Like I know I'm sure my family gets so irritated is that it's like forced me to one, like I go home, bring home this random new cut. And Adam's like, well, what are you going to do with this? And I was like, we're taking product pictures, hun. I mean, it's like, we're going to try to prepare it, gets content, but that's a slow process. And so having those tools and resources available to us makes it seem seamless to the customer while we figure it out, <laughs> so to say. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so in reference back to the truck, Putting the Ranch to Table logo on our truck was, number one, a super proud moment for us to drive around with the CAB logo right on the truck, but for it to be the Ranch to Table CAB logo. You know, that, I mean, we hope that that's speaking volumes to the customers, but I have customers who walk in and they only want CAB, and, and, that's, and if I'm out of CAB, then they're going to pass on, on choice. Um, so I really think it, it has leveled up us for sure um, because of the, the brand recognition. Customers know that they can count on that being good quality. And um, I really think that, that for some that's made a difference. On the flip side, there's still some consumers who don't know what certified Angus beef is, but it's been a great opportunity for us to educate. And, and I think that's been... One of the most fun pieces to this whole game that we're, we're in is the education side, the consumer education for those who don't know, well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And so talking to them about that and how our um, production side fits into the consumer side and, and, and really weaving those two together and, and what we do every day and, and what that produces. Um, I think one of, the, one of the most fun stories that I have with that is um, we supply beef to some schools. And, and the school that our kids go to gets beef from us. And last spring, I did a, a, a beef day. And so I went to school, and, the, and I went to the, the preschool room where the twins are first. And, and we made burgers out of, out of construction paper. And I read them the Angus book and, and had a little, you know, little fun with them. And, and then I went to the gym where all, the whole elementary school came together. And, and we talked about, you know, the differences in cows and the differences in, you know, beef products. And, and um, I had some CAB stress bowls and they all got CAB stickers and, and just had some fun with it. And, of course, the, the lunch ladies made tacos that day. So we had some, you know, good, good ground beef there. Um, but a couple weeks later, somebody had bought some steaks from us and they were CAB steaks. And they had one of the little, I think she was a first grader, uh, girls at their house when they were making these steaks. And they had the package set out. And little Gracie said, did those come from Frankie's house? Because she recognized the CAB logo on the packages. And she connected it that Frankie's mom was there that day. And she was talking, you know, like, like that, that little brain of hers connected the dots. And I'm like, now, if that's not brand recognition at a young age, that's great. That's 100% <laughs> true. I, our local grocery store started carrying certified Angus beef probably three or four years ago when I was still on the certified Angus beef team. And the first day we walked in and they had it all branded up, my little daughter at the time said, Mom, I didn't know you worked at the grocery store. And her eyes lit up like, finally, I can tell somebody what my mom does because otherwise I have no way to talk about it. Yeah. But you're right. That is brand recognition. hundred percent. Yeah. And when you were talking about the pride of it, like we're, we're at in my hometown, the only way we could get a CAB steak was to either go to Cincinnati or Columbus or Dayton, like to a Meyer or a white tablecloth restaurant. And the fact that we can have that brand, specifically the Ranch to Table, like you're already proud to be part of CAB, but that Ranch to Table as a producer just means a little more. So talk to me about the future. What's it, what are you guys hoping for in your businesses? What? 
Oh, yeah. Like, well, I'm, my problem Survive is. Survive tomorrow. Is, yes. Right? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing the rest of the How day, let alone. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dinner or. Drinks after this. Yeah. Yes. My five to 10 year plan was to get to the storefront and now I'm there. And so it's like. How can we continue to diversify and keep growing, but yet for it also to still be sustainable? And so we're starting to kind of dabble more into the mail, refocus back on the mail order side of things now that we've kind of gotten a grip on the storefront. So I would really love to refine that and really make advancements there. Um, We're starting to work with some, you know, restaurants in town as well, um, but also... You know, it's hard a little bit when you work with some of those restaurants. I mean, yeah, you get to move substantially more product, but it's harder to tell the story and to connect with the customer more that way. So I don't want to lose that side of it whatsoever. I, I've i said we've been taking baby steps, but then I think about that and I'm like, no, we haven't. <laughs> These haven't been baby steps. These have been like leaps and bounds. Um, we just started subscription boxes and that's something that, even six months ago, I said, oh, yeah, someday we're going to do subscription boxes. Like, maybe I'll look at them next year. But then all of a sudden, the opportunity kind of came from them, and we ran with it. And so we, we, we just launched those. And so right now, I'm really excited to see where those will take us. Um, we, we've tried talking with restaurants. We just found too many barriers there. And so for right now, we've kind of taken a step back from that. And and I'd like to say I'd like to slow down and focus a little bit. But at the same time, well, number one, I'm a little too squirrely to focus. And we just have so many things going. And and we are such opportunity people. Like, we don't want to let an Miss opportunity. It, yeah. Yes. So we might not be ready, but like you said, we're just going to figure it we'll out. Figure it You're going to do it, yep. figure it out. And, you know, the one thing that's been so amazing in this whole learning curve, like there's other folks out there that do similar things. There may not be necessarily ranch to table, but... They have similar businesses to ours that I think are like my golden standard. Like I want to be like them. I want, I think they are phenomenal businesswomen. And I try to think about how do I eventually get to that? And, you know, also it's been amazing. Like some, I'd reach out to a few and just ask questions and um, how helpful everyone has been in terms of growing businesses and the agricultural community, like Figuring it out is it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's much less intimidating when everybody's so willing to help each other. So be prepared. I'm going to be asking you questions <laughs> after this. Kara, I've been a terrible co-host here by not letting giving you the opportunity to ask as many questions. Is there anything that you wanted to ask these ladies that I haven't given you the space? I would probably just follow up that last question with thinking about that that pull through demand that you're creating on the business side. I realize sometimes it takes a little bit more forethought on the cattle procurement side of things. You can't decide, you know, you want to double your volume next month and not have cattle on feed to do that. Do you, do you feel like you're reaching a point or do you hope to reach a point in the next six to 12 months where, um, you know, you really start to see this impact the way that you interact with bull customers or thinking about growth um, for, for cattle procurement to continue to supply some of those growth goals on the product side? Oh, absolutely. Like it's when you're, and I'm glad you kind of said that because it kind of brought me back to what I originally did once. I yeah, that's a goal for me, at least on our, on the Maplecrest farm side of things, I want to grow and hopefully, I think our bull customers are slowly starting to figure it out. Like, oh, when you, this is a potential good opportunity. And so I hope to grow that, just bring more value back to my customers. Cause if they see the value, then hopefully they'll come back and we have, we have a wonderful customer base that comes back year in, year out, but I want to solidify that even more. And I think this is going to give us that opportunity. And, you know, with the volatility of the markets and so on and so forth, this is, I don't want to say a sure thing, but it's a more of a sure thing that you know that you're going to, there's going to be a demand for these calves every year. So that's what I, my goal is for my customers is to build that for them. Yeah, that's been one of the main bullet points for us, too, that eventually we want to get to the point to offer our customers another opportunity to market their finished cattle so that they can get rewarded for their quality as well. 
You know, that, that's one of the biggest drivers of our motivation at Certified Angus Beef for why we even started this. You know, we look at our breeders, the people who have always been the foundation of our brand, and we say, you deserve to be rewarded for, for the work that you do. And we know that there have been so many producers who have been rewarded for their high quality cattle. You know, Certified Angus Beef premiums are, are tremendous, but that doesn't necessarily fit the business model for every one of our members. And you know, I think anyone in the seed stock business today will admit that while you're, you're selling genetics, um, your customer service plan is a huge portion of what makes or breaks you. Um, you know, and any, any one of you can open up a, you know, a semen catalog and have access to a lot of the same genetics and being able to have some kind of customer service, especially as those customers who are investing in high quality registered Angus bulls are trying to figure out how to get an extra dollar for those calves. Um, and so it, it was our hope from the get go that Ranch to Table was something that would allow those producers um, to continue to add another element of customer service and value back to your customers. Yeah, I see it as a win-win for everybody, really. You know, we're... We're grinding right now, and and yes, in the front of our mind, it's the foundation for our family's future and generations to come. But it's also for our customers, so that, like I said, you know, they can be rewarded for the high quality cattle that that they're producing. Um, and and part of what we see in the future, and what I I hope that we can do is like we're doing today, sharing our story as we're getting started, but sharing their story. You know, I would love to include some of our producers in our beef program and capture their families and what they're doing and, and share their story along with ours. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be a seed stock producer and we wouldn't have our, our beef business. You know, it, it takes everybody. And so I see what we're doing today with Dakota Angus as a win-win for everybody. Because yeah, it's so much more than Dakota Angus or Maplecrest Meats. Like, we wouldn't be here without our customers and those folks that started taking a chance on our genetics. And like, that's not lost on me. And I want them to know how much I appreciate them and value them. And if this is a way for me to kind of give back to them a little bit, that's what I want to do for them. I love it. Well, that seems like a good note to, to wrap up on. I want to give you the opportunity to, if you, there was anything else I didn't ask either of you that you wanted to add. And then I always have a random question of the week. So... Anything else you wanted to add? Not really. I feel like I said we just try it. it. Yeah. You know, just, just do it. it. Just do it. Yeah. Just figure it out. And, you know, I'd like to say that we had this very sophisticated plan and it was always well executed and we were yeah. really never failed. Yeah. Yeah. We knew exactly no. what we wanted to do and where we were going. But a lot of it's just been tucking and rolling, figuring it out. And it's it's been such a learning curve and like you know, you're talking about being stubborn, like how I grew up, I knew what cuts I liked, how I wanted it. And, you know, but also having to adjust and think about that in consumer. And it doesn't matter what we like or what we prefer. It's what they want. And so that's and it's always a nice reminder just to keep everything in check. All right. Random question of the week. What what's the best steak you've ever had? Oh, Kara looks like she's got an answer already. I'm going to make her answer, too. For those so. who can't see us, obviously you can't see us. All of us just took a sit back in our chair. It was a giant <laughs> recoil. I think no, that, I think I took it as your eyes all lit up. like <laughs> Lit up because it's so impossible. There's so many good ones. I mean, I, I feel like the culinary team back at uh, Certified Angus Beef would knock me over the head if I didn't have one of those culinary center meals in, in at least the top five because, my gosh, they're all phenomenal. Um, I got to tell you, it's a, a good sirloin flap, certified Angus beef sirloin flap at the Culinary Center, phenomenal. But um, best steak I've ever had um, was at a certified Angus beef licensee, Charleston, South Carolina, the Oak Steakhouse. I had a certified Angus beef prime strip topped with bone marrow bread pudding. Oh, you're making me hungry. Wow. Well, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> That's no. Dang. It's okay if it's at your backyard grill, too. I think I might have to yeah. say. I mean, I so I'll tell you, three years ago, we'd go to a restaurant, and I didn't know what I was doing. I'd have to ask Travis what steak to order because I did not because know. Because you grabbed him out of the freezer. Right, when right. You had him well, at home. And, yeah. and to be honest, I didn't know, like, what's a sirloin and what's a, I, t, a T-bone? Obviously, I knew what a T-bone was. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. But, yes, they were just all steaks. So, I mean, my knowledge has, has come a long ways. But, but now we've become 
snobs, of course. And mm-hmm. and, yep. and I think I gotta say I make a heck of a heck of a great fillet. Same. That's what I was gonna say. Like, I don't want to toot my own horn. Garlic but butter. I got the whole skillet thing figured out. Have you figured out how to do it without shouting at your smoke alarm? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta clean my. I need a taller kitchen, yes. kitchen ceiling. Yeah, it, that is the only challenge. But or I need to get a kitchen with a hood. Yes. I don't have that. But because we're so spoiled, all these kind of events. Or, heck, the pot roast we had at lunch here. Oh, that here, was amazing. Being close to Cincinnati with all the Jeff Ruby steakhouses, but. I'd either have to say it's like my filet in the cast iron skillet or my mom did. It was a CAB recipe. It was like the garlic studded and rosemary prime rib roast for Christmas. They're coming up. Yeah, that that's pretty high up there, I'd have to say. I think one of the best experiences, though, that we've had in the in the backyard again, we took three different quality grade tomahawks. It was like the first load that we did where we had the three quality grades and tomahawks cut out of all of them. And we did like a blind taste test of them where I was the only one who knew where each one was on the grill. And then there was like six of us and we, you know, cut them all and tasted them. And that was really, really fun. And, and I say tomahawks are just an experience. It's a showpiece. I mean, I mean that's showmanship. It is. You've got to take you've got to take a photo yeah. when you're yeah. Done. Oh, one photo. We like a photo every bite and then not gnaw, gnawing off the bone and yeah. Eat with your eyes first. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was uh, that was probably the most fun experience. How about you, Miranda? What's your favorite steak? Oh my gosh, I I'm a strip steak kind of gal, and my my favorite steak probably um, ties more to the company that I've had it with than you know I, I'm a little bit like you, Kara. I can't pick a, a good steak um, because I worked for Certified Angus Beef for 15 years and had a lot of really good experiences. So. I don't know. I'd probably say that our meal at um, annual conference in Hawaii with like the ocean in the background, I'm going to go with that oh, one. That was a later. Yeah, that's us. right. Yeah, I bet it was real bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's, that'd probably be high on my list. But now you guys are making me hungry. So we'll probably let you guys um, go and get back to the last few minutes of the convention and trade show here. But thank you so much for sharing your story and your experience. And it was Fun to get to meet you after reading your story in the Angus Journal and, and getting to to get to know you guys both a little bit better. So well, thank you for having us. This has been yeah. fun. It's been fun, yeah. I feel like we could continue talking for hours. Well, let's go get this. drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Down. Down. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this one today. As we're nearing the end of season three and looking forward to 2024, we're here for all your ideas. If you've got somebody you want to hear from on the podcast or a topic you want us to dig deeper into, Feel free to contact myself or Mark McCulley personally, or visit theangusconversation.com, scroll to the bottom, and drop your suggestions in the comment box. And if you like this podcast, I've got a big favor to ask. Go rate it and share it with your friends so we can bring more Angus breeders into the discussion. This has been the Angus Conversation, an Angus Journal podcast.